Welcome to the Dear Mark Project podcast, brought to you by Bray Co. As marketing and advertising professionals, honesty and transparency need to be at the forefront for everything we do. However, with new emerging technology, creating materials that are both engaging and 100% transparent can be super tricky. The Dear Mark Project podcast produces weekly episodes on honesty and transparency as it relates to the advertising and marketing spaces. Our goal is to get Mark Zuckerberg and his social media empire to create an automatic hashtag filtered image tag that shows up on any post that uses a filter. It's a small action that we believe can create a world of a difference. Stay tuned on how you can support and enjoy the show. We're going to be talking about social media marketing ethics. Um, It's a huge topic and it's really important for especially Dear Mark. Um, So when someone is using social media, especially to market their products or services, um, for you, Amber, what practices are seen as unethical? So I think this is like a never ending conversation. And it's one of those things that is ever evolving, I think. Um, Typically right now, what I've seen in that like on that kind of breaches that line of being unethical it's it's kind of a word that floats around but those bro marketing tactics um so it's very like shove it down your face like this is the only way that you can do this is if you buy my product and it's the only way this can be accomplished and that is one thing that i see a lot of business owners start to replicate and they're that's the way that they think they need to sell on social media. That's the way they think they need to approach social media. I'm like, no, we can do this in a little bit more of an authentic way. And I even do that with myself. I'm like, take the advice that I give you with a grain of salt. You know, this works for some people. It doesn't work for others. Take the bits and pieces that resonate and run with it, that kind of thing. Because my way isn't the only way on social media. There are so many other people that are so successful. But when business owners will pigeonhole themselves into that type of content, um, that's where it can lead to a little bit of unethical marketing. Um, Or, you know, just in my industry in general, People will throw out these tactics or these like spammy hacks. And it's like, yeah, that might work in the moment, um, but it doesn't help people in the longevity of like social media. You know, I'm here for the long term. I'm not trying to grow your account 10,000 followers tomorrow, that kind of thing. So it, it can be like this little downward spiral. And we see that across social media right now. And it's just kind of just kind of stinks. So I'm just here to educate people on it, that kind of thing. Yeah. And it it sounds like what you're talking about is one of the parts about being unethical on social media is just not being true to yourself and true to your products, which I think is also really hard for some businesses to kind of find their brand voice um, in terms of their branding and their strategy. So do you have a couple pieces of advice for people just to find their particular voice for their brand? Yeah, absolutely. Like, so we can get really tactical here because I can always give you mindset stuff and I'm sure you hear it all the time. But for me, what it really boils down to, I love doing this exercise. I've done it with clients and I've, I've told people about this is literally anytime a thought comes to your brain, either write it down or do a voice memo um, and start to incorporate that in your content. And that's going to help bring out your brand voice. As much as I love the tools like Grammarly and ChatGPT, that's not going to help you excel on social media and really bring personality into your brand. I think it's a stepping stone and a tool, absolutely. But you really need to inject your personality. You really need to try and find something 
that will your audience will resonate with. So for me, uh, I keep a PG on podcasts, but I curse like nobody's business on social media because that's how I talk. That's who I am. And if you met me in person, I'm dropping an F-bomb. Um, but, you know, of course, it's like that might not work for you. It repels people away from me, and that's fine. Um, and, you know, I always like to tell people as you're finding your brand voice, you're going to want to attract your ideal customer and repel the ones that that aren't there for you. And that is totally fine. So yeah, I was leaning into like voice memos or if you have an iPhone, the notes app, just anything that comes to your brain, all the little quirks that you have uh, in that you like to say, write them down. Um, for me, I love a good Gen Z slang term. I will throw those in, even if I'm using them incorrectly, I think it's super fun. Um, and then yeah, of course the F-bombs here and there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I love that you brought up, again, just like being authentic to who you are as a person and just showcasing that through your brand. Because I think you're so right that when you show that to people, especially those little quirks that you're talking about, it really, it makes people feel that you are unique and they're going to want to gravitate to you and your brand a lot more as well. And I think that speaks to just simply being transparent as well. And I'd love your thoughts on how brands can also just be transparent in their social media where it comes to branding or marketing. Yeah, absolutely. So for me, and a lot of people define transparency in a bunch of different ways. For some people, it's like they want transparency in numbers. Some people want transparency in your day to day, whatever that looks like, it doesn't matter. Um, But where we have to remember social media is such a highlight. Even obviously we think about that on a personal level. Like most of the time, if you have a personal Instagram account, you're not posting all the the selfies of you crying or something, you know, like that was a big thing for a while, but it's the same for your brand. It's you're not posting like the really crappy days or you're not talking about when the client rejected you, a client lets you go, all these things. And I'm not saying you have to go there, go out there and show like the worst of the worst, but just letting your audience in on the things that are happening in your day to day is such a great way to connect with your audience. And again, it doesn't have to be so doom and gloom, but for instance, like I've given behind the scenes of like some of my product launches or I, you know, will bring people along in the process of developing a product. Again, there's just always that, you know, just letting them into your world a little bit. It doesn't have to be so strategic and and things like that. Or we think transparency is this thing you need to plug into your strategy. And I'm like, no, just be yourself and show up, you know? And for me, it looks like I love close friends on stories and I will literally, I will talk about my crappy days on close friends, but on like Instagram stories, I'll still let people in like, I didn't get the speaking opportunity that I didn't want, but here's what I learned from it. And just letting people in on the journey, I think is the most important part when it comes to transparency. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I like the part where you just said, just be yourself. Um, And, you know, again, that can make a lot of people gravitate towards you as well. And I love that you also hit on stories, um, because I think it provides a really unique opportunity for companies um, to, again, go behind the scenes and maybe share a little bit of like a tidbit of what's going on. So when it comes to posting just on like your general feed versus a story, um, do you have like strategies there or like what's your thoughts about specifically showing transparency when it comes to your posts versus your stories? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll be the first to say I am not the most consistent on Instagram stories and anybody that knows me or follows me knows that. Um, That is definitely not like where my strengths lie on Instagram. But for me with Instagram stories where I like to show the transparency is it's like, 
you know, like I'll show like a getting ready. Cause I'm like, I have become known for my curls a little bit. And so I'll give like a fun little, like I'll talk to the camera as I'm curling my hair or something like that. Keep it really lighthearted and very like, I'm letting them into my world a little bit. Whereas when I show transparency in the feed, um, I love to do, I'll write down in my notes app on my iPhone, things that I'm processing or having trouble with. And I will screenshot it and just put it up as a post on Instagram. Uh, for example, some of the ones I've done recently last year, I put up a post, all the things I'm struggling with as a business owner. And I listed out a ton of different things like that. I owed $7,000 in taxes. And that was like a huge hit because I didn't prepare enough. And so many people resonated with that. And again, it was a scary thing for me to put out there, but I'm like, I know if I'm struggling with this, I guarantee somebody else is. I might not be able to lend advice or help, but just to let people know that you're not the only ones going through it. And those are important conversations we need to have as small business owners too, that we're not alone in it, you know, things like that. So for me, yes, the feed posts are a little bit more curated, but they are still my genuine thoughts and things like that. Whereas Instagram stories, I'm like, whatever, I'm in PJs, who cares? (laughs) That kind of thing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. No, I love that so much. Yeah. And I I think that especially showing the downsides of especially running a business or being on the strategy side of things, um, again, yeah, it just makes people not feel as alone. Um, And again, everyone goes through it, but not everyone shows it. Um, So I think that's really important too. And I think that speaks so much to growing pains, which is also a topic that I'd love to talk to you about growing pains when it comes to just growing your social media or or lack thereof. <laughs> um, yes. But it can be, you know, really discouraging when you're trying to grow your social media, because again, the algorithm changes all the time. Um, so I'd love for you just to share some tips and advice on um, kind of tips for social media strategists and managers when they're trying to stay positive and, and determined while they're growing their social media channels. Yeah, absolutely. The first thing I always tell people is the grass is always greener. Like the people, when you have a smaller audience, you want a bigger audience. And when you have a bigger audience, you wish you had your smaller audience again. Like the grass truly is always greener. Cause there are times where I'm like, yes, my following is a lot bigger than it was a couple years ago, but my engagement rate is a lot lower, you know? So it's like, there's always give and take here. And it's, you know, as much as I've loved growing an online community and it's a little bit bigger now, I do sometimes miss like I felt like I had more genuine one-on-one connections with a smaller account. So again, that's what I always tell people like, you know, to take everything with a grain of salt. But when it comes to actually growing your social media account and some of the pain points there, um, one of the things that I always like to tell people too is growth is going to be uncomfortable. And, but if you are feeling uncomfortable, know that that is growth in and of itself, even if the numbers aren't reflecting of it. So a lot of people maybe struggle showing up on reels because they are uncomfortable. But I'm like, the fact that you're even trying and putting yourself out there is growth on social media. Um, Whereas maybe before you only did feed posts. And again, the numbers will start to reflect that, but that in and of itself is is growth for me and it's not gonna be comfortable. So that kind of thing. Lately, um, I've been pitching a lot to people like, do Instagram live rooms. Like those are some of my favorite things to do. And it scares the living crap out of people, understandably so. But there have been times I've done an Instagram live room with other people in my industry and I've grown 200 followers in that one live. Obviously results are not always typical, but the fact that I could reach new audiences and things like that, but I was uncomfy doing it at first. Like even myself, I love showing up on camera. That's still very scary. So just knowing that always taking that next step is going to be scary and there's going to be pain behind it, but it's growth. It's part of the, part of the bigger picture, I guess you could say. 
Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad that you brought up the live portion. Um, cause I know that especially for Instagram, I know TikTok and Facebook are also doing lives, um, that it can help spread your message and your brand so much further um, because the algorithm, as you know, really promotes that. Um, and so I'd love for you to just share some advice in terms of people that might be camera shy or like, what are the benefits of doing this, especially from a social media strategy standpoint? Yeah, absolutely. No matter what platform you decide to show up live on, you can take baby steps to get there because if you're going from no video content to going live, that's gonna feel scary. That's gonna feel like a lot. Um, so what I always like to guide people in, um, whether no matter where you're showing up, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, start small. And that might be showing up a little bit more in stories. That might be you know using a stock video, but putting your voice on top of it. And then maybe trying to answer some community questions and instead of replying to the comments, reply with a video. So slowly work your way up to doing a live because again, it is scary. And there are times in a live where there's silence. Like it could just be you, like especially if you're going live by yourself, nobody's in there, nobody's commenting, things like that. So work your way into it. That will help slowly build the confidence. And then also know that with the live, you don't have to save it. You know, like obviously I like to repurpose my lives, but you could, you don't have to. So if you royally mess up, the four people that were in the live room saw it and probably didn't notice and you just don't have to repost it, you know, that kind of thing. Um, But slowly working that into your strategy is so important because you get that aspect of community during the live and then you can repurpose that content later on down the road so it's you're working smarter as well so you can take that live and break it up into clips you can take the live and post it as a whole thing rip it off of instagram and put it over on youtube i know a lot of people that do that um tiktok now has a feature that when you go live you go to download the live, it gives you three highlight clips that you can download based on how many people were watching, like the most viewed times, and they give you short form content from it. So it's just very beneficial all, all around. And yes, the algorithms, most of them do love it right now. Oh, how cool. I didn't realize some of those um, benefits that, yeah, that has. Um, and just some of like, the cool features, like the, that highlight portion. And yeah, that is so That's cool. That's brand new. <laughs> oh, really? That's brand okay. new. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, very awesome. Yeah. And I, um, I know that there's a lot of, especially with the algorithm changing that before people have been talking about that when a brand posts, um, like years before it was promotional material was doing really well, you know, like that, um, just showing the products and showing discounts. And now it's a lot more about providing value to your audience. And even, you know, take like an insurance company, for example, you're not going to be posting all about your discounts. You might be talking about, you know, what to do if your health catches on fire or how can you, um, you know, prevent, um, your pet getting super, um, heated, you know, like when you're out, cause that's a part of like pet insurance. Um, so I'd love for you to talk about how brands can better incorporate this value to their audience in their social media posts, especially if a brand is just doing products. Yeah, of course. So promotional content, yes, has definitely shifted. You used to be able to just on Instagram, put up a 30% off sale or something. And that post would do so well and it would generate traffic and sales. And that just doesn't work anymore. Um, so yes, there is always a component of value that you are going to want to associate 
with your salesy type of content. Yes, you should always be selling on Instagram, on social media, because we are businesses. We don't do this for fun. Well, maybe for fun, but we are here to be business owners. But it doesn't always, value doesn't have to mean you're giving away your secret sauce or putting so much time and effort. Value can just be, for me, I love when I'm selling, I love leaning into like memes or meme culture or pop culture to really associate a pain point with something that's kind of like, it has a little comedy or a little flair to it so that the person that's viewing it, they find value in it. They might get a chuckle. They might be inspired, this, that, or the other without even buying. Buying is like, you know, that would be great. I would love for them to do that, but they find value in my post in and of itself. And if they go to make a further purchase, that's amazing. So it doesn't have to be this like overly complicated thing. It can be like, for instance, I literally just posted. um, So I have a newsletter membership and basically I just like coach in in your inbox every week. And I did a office hour session and I just took a little recording from that. I clipped it up, put it on reels. And I just, I provided value in that reel. Like, Hey, this is the behind the scenes. This is what you would get. Um, they got value from that piece of content, but I also pushed my membership, you know? So it's like, you can do both. And I think that's the important thing to note when you are selling is important. Yes. But always giving back to your community in a certain way is also important too. Oh, yeah, for sure. I love that giving back to the community. And um, one of the brands I absolutely love that just you made me uh, think about this is Liquid Death. Are you familiar with that brand? Yes. Oh, my God. I love Liquid Death. Their marketing is so top tier. It's so good. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, yeah, because they showcase value. And I feel like what a lot of brands get stuck on is they think, okay, you know, I have to make a social media um, post with just tips or, you know, tricks or hacks. And it's like, if you can just make someone laugh and smile throughout their day, Mm -hmm. like Liquid Death does, everyone, please go check them out. They are fantastic. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. So, um, you know, just in terms of, you know, getting away from kind of like the tips and um, just showcasing you yourself and your brand, just making through uh, how people can laugh as well. Besides memes, is there anything else that brands can do? Because I'm sure that memes may not be able to be incorporated into like the more um, traditional type of businesses. So I'd love just to hear some other tips as well. Yeah. So the one that I've leaned into a lot lately, so, and promotional content can be promoting anything, your business, your whatever. Um, so I love to funnel people from TikTok and Instagram into my YouTube channel. Um, and lately what I've done is typically, again, let's bring up the tips and tricks. So let's say I could go on to, you know, any social media channel right now and be like, here's three ways to grow on Instagram. Here are three tips. That's typically what you'll see people do. Whereas I've pivoted it and said, If I had to start over today on Instagram, here are three things I would do. And I inject myself and my personal story and my personal advice and then point them to the YouTube channel. So that was a promotional post and I shifted it away from, yes, there's still advice in there, but I shifted it away from those traditional tips and tricks and small business owners can do the same. Inject your story, inject your case studies, let your customers and testimonials speak for themselves. Talk about, you know, if it's an insurance, uh, I know you mentioned insurance earlier, like pet insurance. Talk about, um, you know, this dog that maybe needed hip replacement. It would have cost this much. We saved the customer this much. 
telling those stories and then of course showing a cute picture of a puppy never hurts <laughs> you know so things like that is incorporating the storytelling incorporating and that's still value it doesn't always have to be buy my product here's a tip and trick it doesn't have to be so formulaic it can still be very very fun so yeah incorporating stories incorporating your personality is still very very helpful for to sell itself you know that kind of thing yeah. Oh, that's perfect. And I would love to also talk because I, I went on your website and checked out some of your blogs. Um, guys, please go check out her blogs. They're fantastic. Um, and I saw that you had posted something about uh, hustle culture and girl boss, girl boss culture. Um, and I just wanted to ask you a couple of questions about that. So yeah. first off, for anybody a little bit confused, what is hustle culture and girl boss culture? Yes. So um, in case anybody isn't aware, I am a millennial. Like I fall right in that middle. Uh, you know, I'm not elder. I'm not younger. I'm like right at the cusp. I was born in 92. Um, so basically, it's kind of this culture and mindset that my generation grew up with of work hard, work harder, work, 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 have the side hustle, do all these things um, to the point where it's like, you know, that consumed our every day. And that's how you became successful. And it became this toxic mindset of, uh, you know, we always have to be working, we always have to work on ourselves, always work on our careers, always work on our side hustles. And it perpetuates this not having that work life balance. And that's what is seen as successful when in fact, I have and again, I subscribed to it for a very long time, I used to work those 14, 16 hour days and then do my side hustles on the weekend. And it just, it's not good for our mental health. It's not good for anybody around us, I promise. Um, and that is what you can get stuck in this toxic cycle as a business owner for sure, especially if you're a solo entrepreneur or even if you have a small team, you can find yourself overwhelmed with this amount of work trying to do more, more, more. Right. No, absolutely. And I, I've also seen the, um, the quote tips of people saying, quit your nine to five job and just, you know, pursue your business like full time. And I think that's awful advice. <laughs> um, I mean, if you're able to do that in terms of like financially, but I think it's perfectly fine to, I think this is what we were talking about earlier too, is just take baby steps, you know, to get there. Like if you want to have your full time business, that's awesome. Um, but make sure you're prioritizing your mental health too. Um, and making sure that you're getting outside, having family time, having fun. Um, and so I would love your tips and advice, um, specifically for professionals that are in this mindset of hustle culture. Yeah, absolutely. So the one other thing that I want to kind of add to what you're saying, the whole quit your nine to five right away is not a good mindset because first of all, being a small business owner is not for everybody. You should not monetize every single hobby. And believe me, I have monetized every single hobby I've ever had to the point where I don't know what I like anymore because I've tried to make money off of it. Um, I used to be a photographer, biggest passion ever. I hate it now. I will. I sold my camera. I can't pick it up, that kind of thing. So always know that not everything needs to be quit your nine to five. So slowly making that transition. Um, yes, it can be done, but just know, like I have a lot of people look at me and they're like, they might think overnight success. Okay. This is great. I've worked in marketing for 10 years. I worked in corporate for five of those, then worked, went to work for a small business all while doing freelancing and side hustling again, stuck in hustle culture, thinking I needed to do it all. And then I didn't go full-time in my business right away. I was just slowly working on it. And now, yes, I have been a full-time entrepreneur for five, almost five years, but it took me time to get there. I didn't quit my nine to five the first time I got a social media management client. I just 
was unfortunately still stuck in hustle culture, but figure out a way to balance it. You don't need that exponential growth in month one, two, three. Take on the one client, see if that works, see if you can maybe go part-time at your job, um, see if you can have some flexible hours, but don't give up every single ounce of your soul in your day to try and make all this stuff work. You don't need to do it. Um, And just learning how to say no to certain things too is very, very important. Like now, it is very rare that I will take a call. It's like this, I will do podcasts and I will do calls that I think require a ton of collaboration, but those one-off like, you know, people will be like, hey, can I pick your brain for this? Or, hey, can we jump on a call to discuss X, Y, and Z? I'm like, no, can you wrap it up in an email for me? <laughs> because that's honoring my time um, and just things that, you know, so learning how to say no in the process too is very, very important to protecting your time and your energy as well. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. Um, yeah. And I, I think that also when you're working yourself to death, um, it creates a system of that you're not going to be good at working anymore because you're so burnt out. Um, I think that's also really important is just burnout. So when someone is burnt out, can you please give advice on how to kind of recover from that? <laughs> Of course, my it's funny because I have like one piece of content that I regurgitate all the time is when I was burnt out and I kept getting the take a bubble bath tips, I wanted to literally lose my mind. I don't need another take a bubble bath because that's not going to cure burnout. Um, this is where I get a little nerdy and anytime I notice myself going into burnout, I look and see where the holes in my system is. Like I, I know that sounds a little weird um, and it doesn't have to be so granular, but like for me... Lately, I felt very burnt out about TikTok. And I'm like, why do I feel burnt out creating content for TikTok? And how can I maybe pivot it? Um, So lately, I've just been repurposing content on TikTok. I haven't really been creating new stuff um, just because I felt overwhelmed with it. So that's what I like to tell people when you're feeling that burnt out. Don't, you can't fully give up because that's just going to, you're just going to start the cycle over and over again. But see how you can peel back. See where those holes are missing. If you have, you know... Uh, for me, I do have the privilege of being able to maybe outsource some of those things or take a step back, invest here, take money here, move it over here. You know, so just like reevaluating rather than completely giving up. Because um, again, that'll just start the cycle of burnout over and over again because you'll completely give up. You'll go back, like give it a couple months. You'll go back into it to like full force. And then after that, you're going to, you know, keep that cycle of burnout going. Um, So that's what I like to do. And then other than that, it's just honoring yourself in that time and knowing that like, if you can't work past three on a certain day, just know that that was your hundred percent for the day. And then yes, go relax or go do the thing. It doesn't need to be a bubble bath. It could be I love scrolling on TikTok. I'm like, I'll give myself 30 minutes to just scroll on TikTok, that kind of thing as well. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for all that advice. Um, And can you please tell the audience um, just how to get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. So you guys can find me on basically every social media platform, except for Twitter. I don't do Twitter anymore. <laughs> At A Creative Co. Instagram, it's A underscore Creative Co. And yeah, just head there. And I'm always, DMs are always open on Instagram. So pop on over and say hi. And if I can guide you to anything, any resources, I'm more than happy to do so or answer any questions. Perfect. Yeah. And like I said, we're going to have all that in the description below. So please go check her out. Um, she's a phenomenal human being. So yeah, thank you so much for being on this she's podcast. Awesome. Yes, thank you. Perfect. 
Thanks for listening. To learn more about how to make social media a more honest and empowering place to be, follow us on Instagram at the Dear Mark Project and visit our website, dearmark.co. Stay tuned every week for a new episode. Thanks again for tuning in.